The following message is presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Now the message. Yeah, I was going to say snake, sheep, lion, or, or dove, but I can't trick you guys, can I? Sheep. That's right. That's the right answer. Maybe you looked at the, the heading in your Bible and it said shepherd, or the title of my sermon in the bulletin, it said shepherd, that maybe gave you away, gave me away. But uh, yeah, sheep, lamb, that is the most common animal mentioned in the Bible. If you add up lamb and sheep, they're mentioned about 400 times in the scriptures. And a chunk of those times happens in our passage today, John chapter 10. We're going to be looking at the words in red as we get ready, as we look forward to um, Palm Sunday and Easter. I think it's good to, to dwell in, and, and dig into what Jesus taught during his earthly ministry. We're going to see that he taught today. When he taught, he used familiar images to his audience, sheep, shepherds. For us who live in the city, it's not something as familiar, is it? We don't regularly see sheep walking down the highway or see sheep outside of our homes, through our windows. But for the people that Jesus was speaking to, these were familiar things. And Jesus, in his greatness, he used everyday images, he used familiar things to speak to spiritual truth. And we're going to see today what truth he was trying to illustrate in the message that he gave in John 10, verses 1 through 21. So I invite you there, and let me read it out loud as we all focus on God's word together. So John 10, verse 1 says, Truly, I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls... He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he, was brought, when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will, run away with, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of, of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is the hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd, This is why the Father loves me, because I lay my life down so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have 
receive this command from my father. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has demons and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The Lord bless the reading of his word today. Uh, Go with me in prayer. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for this message that you have for us today. I just ask that you just open our hearts and our minds and help us to to hear your voice today as we dig into these words in red from uh, our Lord, from Jesus, our Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So verse 6 says specifically, it says that Jesus was using a figure of speech. He's using terminology, shepherd, sheep, which means something. Things that, they're, they're metaphors. They're things that represent other things. For example, the sheep, guess who they represent? They represent us, his followers. The good, shepherds, the good shepherd, of course, that's Jesus. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to share some things that for many of you may not be new information, but it needs to be put into practice. You see, sometimes, a lot of times what we need is not new information, but we need the same old information We need to be reminded of it so that we can process it and put it into practice in our lives. So some of these things aren't necessarily new, but I hope that they will still challenge you in your life. I'm going to share these. I'm going to share four things that a sheep need and two things that Jesus, the good shepherd, gives us. If you'd like to take notes, four things the sheep that sheep need and two things that Jesus, as a good shepherd, does for his sheep. First of all, sheep need a shepherd. That's kind of obvious, isn't it? A sheep without a shepherd is a sheep in great danger. In those days, a sheep wandering alone in the wilderness without a shepherd was going to be soon a dead sheep. Sheep are defenseless. I was thinking about that this week. A lot of animals have defense mechanisms, don't they? If you could put that picture on the screen. If you ever see one of these... Don't go pet it. It's not a cat. It's not a kitten. Don't try to rub his belly. What's going to happen? It's going to spray you, right? Animals like a skunk, they have a defense mechanism. If it's in danger, it immediately launches its perfume. Right? You don't want to be there. Some animals have claws. Others fangs. Some fly away. Some can spray like the skunk. And others can blend into their surroundings. But some, like the sheep, have no defense mechanism. They're defenseless. And so are we, spiritually speaking, without Jesus. We need the protection of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Without the protection of the Good Shepherd, we can be very vulnerable to the enemy and his lies. People are so vulnerable to Satan and his lies without Jesus. The Bible says they are blinded. They're defenseless. In fact, Jesus mentions in verse 1, look in your Bibles with me. Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. So here Jesus speaks of these enemies, if you like, enemies of God's people. This is Satan and his demons, and they want nothing more than to harm believers. Look at what Jesus says in John 10.10. A thief... That Satan comes only to steal and kill and destroy. How is that for a description of what Satan's all about? Steal, kill, and destroy. 
It boggles my mind when I see uh, news on TV or read an article about people that worship Satan, or people that practice satanic rituals, or, or that call themselves Satanists. If they really understood who Satan is and what his intentions were, I don't think they would identify themselves as a Satanist. Satan, the thief, he wants to steal, he wants to kill and destroy. He wants to destroy stable families. He wants to undermine the spiritual, moral principles of biblical truth in our society. And he's doing a pretty good job. Satan wants to keep people from hearing, from hearing about Jesus, from coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if he can't do that, and if he fails at that, that he works overtime after a person becomes a believer. He works overtime to steal their joy, their love for God, to steal their peace, to cause them to sin so that they remain ineffective. He wants to destroy our purity by enslaving us to addictive behavior. He wants to destroy marriages. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why we need Jesus, the Good Shepherd, to lead us. That's why... Jesus, a good shepherd, to lead you. Jesus goes on in the same verse, John 10, 10. He says this, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Some Bible translations capture the meaning of what having in a life in abundance, what this is like. One reads, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Abundance means to have life to the full. Do you notice the difference? Satan, kill, steal, destroy, Jesus, life, and have it to the full. I wonder if you, top, if you stop the average person on the streets, if they would describe what Jesus offers in that way. Satan has done such a good job to deceive people that the average person thinks, if I follow Jesus, then my life is going to be boring. It's going to be miserable. But you see, that's so different than what Jesus is saying to us here. Jesus is saying that the fullness of life can only be experienced in a personal relationship with him. An ongoing relationship with him. Everyone wants life to the full, but Jesus is saying that life to the full Life in abundance, it's only with me. It begins with him. It continues with him. And guess what? It ends with him. It's not money. It's not fame. It's not vices. It's not power that give life to the full. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So sheep need a shepherd. You and I need Jesus. Every living person needs the life that Jesus can give. Life to the full. Number two, sheep also need a flock, don't they? Sheep also need a flock. Verse one talks about a sheep pen where sheep live together. Sheep are social creatures and they actually do better in groups. When one sheep is separated from the other, it becomes much more vulnerable to predators. So the, so the idea is that as we follow Jesus, we need each other. This is not a solo journey. Yes, absolutely, we do need a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but that doesn't mean it's a private thing, that our faith is a private thing, that our faith is a solo journey. 
It's something that we do together. We walk this journey. We are called, actually, in the Bible, the flock of God. That's one of the metaphors that's used. And that's certainly what Jesus was referring to here in this passage. We need a flock. We need a local church. We need a church family. But here's the thing. A person can attend church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday night, but still walk solo. You need to connect with others. Not just to come and go Sunday morning, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. That's why this church has things like Sunday school, youth group, and other thing, other ways that people can connect by age or by similarities or just as believers. Prayer meetings. It's coming together and connecting so that we are not alone. So that you are not alone and vulnerable. So sheep need a flock. Sheep need a shepherd. Third of all, sheep need to hear the voice of the shepherd. Sheep need to hear the voice and respond to the voice of the shepherd. Let's go back to John, verses 2 through 5. John 10, verses 3 to 5 say, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. So the scene, the scene here is kind of like a rural village where at night several flocks of sheep are brought together and they're brought into this large enclosure, a sheep pen for their protection at night. And in the morning, the shepherd would come to the gate and he would collect the sheep. The gatekeeper would open the gate and the shepherd would call the sheep and the sheep would hear his voice and come to him. Then the shepherd would lead them out of the pen into the surrounding countryside, to graze, to find pasture. That's the kind of picture Jesus is drawing here. The sheep would recognize the voice of the shepherd. Kind of like if you have pets, if you have a dog. Who has a dog here? Raise your hand if you have a dog. Does the dog recognize your voice? Specifically, right? He recognizes, he or she recognizes your voice. Jesus was saying that the sheep of his fold, the sheep of his flock, know his voice. Isn't that interesting? They know his voice. How do they know his voice? Well, they heard the voice of the Lord calling for salvation, and they accepted the invitation to eternal life. They heard the voice of Jesus speaking to them in the scriptures. This is the primary way that Jesus speaks to us. They heard the voice of Jesus calling them by the Holy Spirit. And at some point in your life, you heard the voice of the shepherd, and if you're a believer, you became aware of that voice, and you entered into a relationship with the good shepherd But that's just the beginning. In fact, his voice called us at the beginning. But guess what? He calls us each and every day. He says, come be a part of me. Be with me. Come spend time with me. Listen to my voice as you read my word. The voice of Jesus speaks through his word. Through his people. We can speak to one another. Did you know that? We can encourage each other with the word of God, and the voices of Jesus will go out in that way. Jesus is trying to speak to us each day. That means that we must put ourselves in a place 
where we can hear his voice. We must put ourselves in a place where we can hear his voice. I think one of the obvious ways that we do that is we carve out some time to read our Bibles, to read scriptures. Remember, the thief wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So what's Satan going to be active in trying to do in our lives? He's going to try to prevent us from hearing his voice, from hearing Jesus' voice and his word. Sometimes we think of temptation, that the devil shows up one day and randomly just tempts us to one thing or this or that, something that's bad and everyone knows is bad, and that's Satan tempting us to do that. But I think Satan's a little bit more subtle. Because one of the very subtle things that he'll do, he'll just try to keep you away from Jesus. He'll try to keep you from spending time with Jesus because he knows you're not going to be tempted to do this very bad thing if you're spending time with Jesus. He knows it will be harder for him to draw you away to be defeated. But if he can keep you from spending time with Jesus, and that happens more and more and more, then he'll have you further and further away from the Lord, and that's when that temptation takes hold. And that's when we fall. There is a battle that is taking place, that's going to take place daily for your time. Will you spend that time to listen to Jesus? To be with him? To let him speak to you through his word? That is a crucial, that is a crucial, crucial thing. So the question for all of us is this, am I putting myself in a place where Jesus can speak to me? Am I allowing that to happen? That's what God wants us to make time to make a time, to make the time and the priority for. So we need to hear and respond to the shepherd's voice. Uh, Number four, sheep need to enter into the pasture of the good shepherd. Look again in your Bibles to John. Uh, We'll be in verse 7, chapter 10, verse 7. Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. In these verses, the scene has now shifted from the village to the pasture. Sometimes the shepherd would take the sheep on a trip to go find good pastures. They They would have to go further and further away from the village into the countryside, sometimes traveling a day or longer. So in those instances, they wouldn't be able to get back to the village at night. They wouldn't be able to get back to the communal sheep pen at night. So what would the shepherd do out in the country? The shepherd would have to make a, a makeshift pen out of wood or rocks, or sometimes the, uh, he would find a cave, and the shepherd would literally lie down at the entrance of that makeshift pen or cave. He would lie down at the entrance to keep the sheep from wandering out and to keep predators from coming in. So in that context, with that picture in view in your mind, Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. In the book of John, this is the third of seven I am statements. These statements, these are statements that Jesus made about himself that reveal the truth of who he is, that he's God, and what he is here to do on earth. The analogy here, he says, I am the gate for the sheep. The analogy is that heaven is like a beautiful green pasture 
where God is abundantly providing for us for all eternity. And what Jesus is saying is, he is the only gate to that pasture. He is the only way to heaven. There aren't many roads. There's just one. One way. Jesus. And because he laid down his life for us and paid for our sins, the barrier, the barrier that sometimes we try to break down our own, that barrier has been taken care of by his work. And when Jesus mentions in in verse 9, he says, this allows us to come and go and find pasture. This is a reference to our daily fellowship with God. Notice how he describes it. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So that's the initial salvation that we have. But then they will come in and go out and find pasture. So it's the idea that when we come into the presence of God, we go in through Jesus, and, and then we get to find this fellowship with God daily in his pasture where he feeds us, where he grows us, where he brings us up, where he protects us. As Jesus is talking about being the gate um, to heaven, the Jews were listening to this. Look at, uh, jump down to the end of the passage, verses 20 through 21. There were two reactions. One was like, he's crazy. They actually called him demon-possessed. The other was curious. They seemed to believe. You see, there is often two kinds of reactions when we talk to someone about Jesus. There is the cold shoulder. Right? I don't want to know any more about that. Don't talk to me anymore. We get that, don't we? And then there's a receptive heart, a receptive mind that says, tell me more. So you shouldn't be surprised when you get these negative reactions because Jesus got them too. Right? Sometimes we're scared to share our faith because we're scared of what's going to happen. We need to expect that we're going to get the cold shoulders sometimes. If Jesus got those reactions, we shouldn't be surprised when we get that reaction ourselves. So we've seen four things that shepherds need, that sheep needs. A sheep needs a shepherd. A sheep needs a flock. A sheep need to hear and respond to the shepherd's voice. Sheep need to enter uh, his pasture through the only gate. Now let's take a look at two things that the good shepherd does for us, that he does for his sheep. Number one, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Notice what Jesus says here in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. This is the fourth I am statement. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus has just mentioned it. We just talked about how he said he came to give life and give life to the full. There's something here that you have to understand about that. How do we get life? How is Jesus' life given to us? How does it come to us? It's through his death. The life of Jesus for us is made possible uh, because he laid down his life for us. Something that you may not be aware of, but you need to understand, is that sheep are dirty. How many of you have ever gone to a fair or to a farm where there's sheep or a petting zoo and you get there and there's, there's this nice, white, fluffy, beautiful sheep there? Well, guess what? 
They weren't fluffy a few, white and fluffy a few minutes before you got there. They were white and fluffy when you got there because someone power washed them right before you got there. Sheep are not naturally clean. If you go to any farm with sheep, you'll see that they're dirty, that they're filthy. Sheep don't have the inclination or the capacity to clean themselves. They're not like cats. Who has a cat here? Cat and dog. I like it. Very good. Cats, cats clean themselves for six hours a day, don't they? Sheep don't do that. You may be thinking, what are you getting at, preacher? What are you talking about? What's the analogy here? What's well, Isaiah 64, 6. It says this, All of us have become something unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. This verse is saying that our deeds, our own actions apart from Jesus, are like filthy rags. We were just thinking about that, weren't we? Like sheep, we were... We were unclean by our nature. We're born into this fallen world. And as we live our life, we are sinners who fall short of the glory of God, aren't we? You know, you may be thinking, well, I know some good people. I know some good people too. And if you compare one sheep to another, one might look cleaner. It's possible to compare two people and one might look better. One might look uh, more righteous. But you know what? Is that the standard? The standard is not sheep to sheep. The standard is not people to people. It's people to God. And compared to God, we have fallen short. We have fallen short of his glory. All of our best efforts come short. They come way short. They're like filthy rags. That's why we need Jesus. Jesus died for our sins so that our filthy rags, our filthy clothes can be replaced by what? Clean clothes. That was our, one of our songs this morning. Because Jesus lived a perfect life, his life can be credited to us. When we trust him by faith, we receive. Jesus, we receive his cleansing blood and we're made white again. That's the gospel. Nothing we do. We're sinners. We mess up. We can't go through life perfectly without sinning. So guess what? We are going to be separated from God forever. But God sent Jesus to be our good shepherd, to lay his life down. That's the gospel. It's a pretty good deal, if you ask me. There's another thing about sheep that's important to understand. In order to appreciate the weight of what Jesus is saying here, not just are sheep dirty, but they're quite stubborn. They wander off. They do their own thing. They don't always listen to the shepherd's voice. In fact, I don't know if you've seen uh, the videos on the internet of shepherds working really hard to, to help a trapped sheep get out of a hole or a ditch, and what happens when the sheep comes out? It runs a couple laps and jumps right back in. There's multiple videos. It's not the same sheep doing it. There's like five or six different videos of different sheep. They are stubborn. They don't always listen, right? In fact, look what Isaiah 53, 6 says. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. This is such an important verse. You see, we are like sheep in a sense. We have gone astray. We have wandered off. We thought the pasture was greener somewhere else. We thought that maybe we could 
do this without God, that we could live life without God. But many of us found that we were disappointed. We experienced despair apart from Him. Maybe for a while, for some of you, for some of us, things were okay, but it always catches up. Our sin always catches up. We, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. And look at the second part of this verse here. And the Lord has punished him. Who's him? It's Jesus, right? He's the him there. He's talking about Jesus. Hundreds of years before Jesus came, this This is a prophecy that's speaking of the fact that Jesus would be our substitute on the cross. That he would be the atoning sacrifice for us. That God's plan and how God would deal with our sin is this. He would lay on Jesus the iniquity of us all. That's the gospel. That's the good news. God's plan is, is to die not just for the Jew, but for the Gentiles also. Look at uh, your Bibles again. Verse 16 of chapter 10, it says, But I have other sheep that are not from this pen, from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. So who are the other sheep he's referring to? The Gentiles. I believe he's speaking about the Gentiles. They weren't part of the sheep pen of Israel, but God's plan was to die for the Jew and Gentile that all who believe in him would be saved and become part of one new flock, the body of Christ, the church. And what I find interesting about what Jesus says here in in John 10, specifically verse 11, is that he says he lays down his life. He lays down his life. Look at verses 17 and 18 now. Look carefully at what Jesus is saying here. It's actually uh, very astonishing to me. It says, uh, he says, This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. Wow. Isn't that amazing? What he's saying is, from the outside looking in, if you were looking at the scene of the crucifixion, it may have seemed like Jesus was some kind of victim as he was being crucified. But Jesus here, he's saying that he was in complete control. He had the authority to lay it down. And even more, speaking of him picking it back up again, so he's talking about that he's gonna, that he would resurrect, right? He had the authority to lay it down. I, I remember the conversation he had with Pilate during his trial. Pilate said, you are a king. Jesus said, yes, I can call 12 legions of angels. I can snap my finger and they'll be here in an instant to get me out of this situation. Of course, Jesus didn't do that. When he was on that cross, he went willingly. He had the authority and the power, but he willingly laid down his life for us. It's interesting. Also, another reference to the crucifixion, whenever you read, it says, Jesus gave up his spirit. He gave up his spirit. Again, it's this idea that he was willing to lay down his life. No one took it from him. He gave it up. Again, that's part of the gospel. It's all part of God's plan for our salvation. 
And this is what makes Jesus so different from all other religions. It it frustrates me when I hear someone say that all religions are the same. And you'll hear it a lot, especially the youth group here. If you're in high school or college, even in the workplace, it's common. You hear people say, it's all basically the same. It doesn't matter what you believe. It's all the same thing. No, they are not. Here's what you can say to people that say that. You can say, other religions, other religions teach that you need to lay down your own life in good works so that you can be forgiven and loved by God. But at Christianity, Jesus teaches that the good shepherd lays down his life so that we can be loved and forgiven by God. you see the difference? All other religions are systems based on works. You have to do this, you have to do that in order, in order to gain approval of God, to go to paradise or whatever that religion says. When it's actually Jesus, he lays his life down. It's his works. His life, death, resurrection that count for our salvation. Not what we do. For we are saved by grace and not by works. So again, we see clearly that the difference between what religion offers and Jesus offers, religion offers a system, a way, a checklist, if you like. You do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. You can get saved. But guess what? We can't check every mark on that list on our own. We fail. It's complete failure to do that. It can't be done. No one will be saved by our own works. Remember, we just read. It's like filthy rags. The good shepherd must lay his life for the sheep. The second thing the good shepherd does, not only does he lay down his life, notice verse 12. He says, The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because a hired hand because he has a hard hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Brothers, sisters, church, there is no one that loves you more, that cares for you more than Jesus. There's no one who loves you like Jesus loves you. Sometimes his care and love is seen in the fact that even he can correct us when we go the wrong way. The Bible calls it uh, discipline us. Think about it. When a parent disciplines their child, is it because they care for the child? Yes. They are disciplining the child because they want the child to go in the right direction. I read in one book this week how sometimes shepherds would do things that seem cruel in order to protect their sheep. If a lamb was prone to wandering off and endangering itself near a cliff or predators, if a sheep was always going its own way, sometimes a shepherd would break the sheep's legs so it couldn't walk for a while. Then the shepherd would keep that sheep nice and close, and it would have to stay close to the shepherd. It couldn't move. It would stay close to the shepherd under his protection. The good shepherd would actually carry the lamb around until it was better. And guess what? During that time, the lamb would get to know the shepherd's voice. I wonder if that's not a picture of how God sometimes deals with us. 
Sometimes he needs to discipline us. Maybe it's in the form of allowing us to live through the consequences of the consequences of our sin, of our foolishness. Sometimes he just allows us to experience hurt, maybe from others. It says in Hebrews, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful later. But painful. Excuse me, let me start over on that one. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Hebrews 12.7 says, Endure suffering as discipline. Let me say that again. Endure suffering as discipline. If you're going through something hard, something painful, something difficult, it may not be anything that you did that you caused yourself. It's just the fallen world that we live in. So how are you to face that? How are we to face that? We can see it as maybe God wanting to do, wanting to do something deeper in our lives. We can see it as him wanting to do some work in our heart. But even then, know that he cares for you. Know that he cares for you. One of my favorite verses on this topic is 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Cast your, all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We often carry our worries around, don't we? We get worried about something, we carry it around, and it gets heavier and heavier. But you know, we're not meant to do that. We're not meant to carry everything. This verse says, cast them onto Jesus. That concern you have, those anxious thoughts that come into your head at night or in the daytime, what you can do uh, what I can do uh, is we can stop that thought from coming. We can't stop the thought from coming to our head, but we can choose whether to keep it there or give it to Jesus. It's like this famous Luther quote I heard. Martin Luther, he says, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from nesting in your hair. You can't keep some of those thoughts from coming to your mind, but you can cast them onto Jesus when they do. Jesus really does care for you. He knows you by name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. John 10, 3 says, He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Jesus knows us by name. I want you to think about that for a second. That is one of the ways we can know he cares for us. He knows us by name. He knows everything about us. He knows where you are. He knows the hairs on your head, what's on your mind, what's on your heart. He knows the things that other people don't know. And he cares for you. No matter what you have done, no matter what you have left undone, respond to the voice of Jesus. He is speaking to us today. For some of you, he's calling you away from sin. Maybe he's ready and willing to forgive you and bring you into his pasture when you come to turn from your sin and and go to him in faith. For others of you, he's calling you to walk through this storm that you're in right now. 
the trial that you're facing, the hardship that you're in. He's saying, I love you. I care for you. And he invites you to trust him. For others of you, maybe he's calling you to be more involved in the flock at this very church. Maybe he's saying, go from just attending to serving. Take that step to get uh, to be more involved, he's saying. For others, he's saying, spend time with me that you haven't been doing. Stop neglecting the main thing. The main thing is to keep Jesus, number one. We may be going through different things, each of us, and each of us, he's calling to us, speaking to us in different ways, and we need to respond in different ways. But Jesus' concern and desire for all of us is the same. And we, when we respond to him, he cares for us. He loves us. When we respond to him, he will have life to the, he will give us life to the full. Notice this. The call of Jesus, the call of the good shepherd, it isn't condemning. It's loving. It's caring because he is the good shepherd. So let's go to him and be confident that as we do, we're going to a loving and caring God, and he wants to give you, he wants to give us life to the full. The preceding message was presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about Bayou Vista, including contact info, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.